Welcome back to the Borough Shire podcast. I'm Brandon Vaught, one of the co-hosts, and joining me here to talk about life, faith, books, spirituality, and everything in between is Father Blake Britton. Father Blake, good to see you. Good to see you too, and excited to discuss all those topics. <laughs> Our last episode was the longest we've ever done, and I'm afraid that probably won't be the last time I ever say that because these, <laughs> these our discussions continue to drift uh, in terms of time, but we're going to try to keep this one a little shorter. I think the last one was close to an hour and a half, so this one will not be that long. Today we're going to be talking about boys and God, boys and God. Uh, Father Blake and I have personal experience in this topic since we were both boys and we both believe in God. Um, so I think we have some good stuff to share from experience. But also, more importantly, I'm a father of young boys, and Father Blake is a spiritual father to many boys. Um, he not only uh, serves at his parish, but he also oversees the school attached to the parish and has regular interactions with with boys. And so what we wanted to talk about in this episode, especially, is how to lead boys to God, how to orient their hearts and their souls to a love of God and develop them into healthy, holistic, Catholic men. Um, maybe before we get to that, the how-to, though, Father Blake, let's talk a little bit about why this is such a problem today. I don't think it would be a surprise to any listener to say that we're, we're kind of in a crisis of authentic masculinity, not just among grown men, but among boys too. We've, we've sort of lost the tradition of developing and shaping young boys into good men. Why are we in the spot that we're in today? Yeah, this is this has been one of the unforeseen graces of my priestly ministry has been forming boys and young men into Catholic men, Catholic saints. Uh, and of course, one of the, the main things that hindered that recently in church history was those horrible abuse crises. And this really led to a severance between priests and children in general, but boys specifically. And really, that's a relationship that's supposed to be there, meaning in a mentorship kind of capacity, that priests are meant to be spiritual role models and spiritual fathers for boys and to guide them along their own journeys, of course, with their biological fathers, so they may reach their pinnacle of holiness. So this has been, as I mentioned, an unforeseen grace, especially with the school, as I spend time with the boys and I note how they are so drawn to how I live and so drawn to by what I do. And I'm, they're constantly asking me, you know, Father, can you show me how to do that? You know, can you show me how to throw a football? Father, can you show me how to run that way? Father, can you can you show me how to find this in the catechism or how to read this from Thomas Aquinas or why Aristotle said this, right? They're always looking and they're just so deeply encouraged. And I start wondering why that is. Why are they drawn to this and contemplating that question? And as I spoke with more and more of them, I started realizing that first and foremost, sadly, a lot of them didn't have fathers at home. And so there's this void of receiving a proper form of masculinity or a proper role model of masculinity. Their role models of masculinity are sports uh, idols, are music icons, are people in the entertainment industry, which are not always the best role models and most certainly not the best Catholic role models. Um, and also for those who did have fathers, their fathers would be good men, but they themselves didn't have good Catholic role models growing up. So even though they're trying to be really good Catholic dads, they're sort of floundering because they're like, I don't know how to raise a good Catholic boy because I wasn't, you know, didn't really have that growing up. Uh, and so in recognizing that, 
I found that this is a big problem in our society and how desperately the priesthood, as well as the vocation of fatherhood, your vocation, Brandon, is needed by the church at this time to help form boys in their youth and in their teenage years so that they develop all the virtues necessary to start living the fullness of life. And we see this, by the way, in church history. I think very fondly of St. John Bosco and his ministry to, to boys, of St. John Baptiste de La Salle, the founder of the of the Lasallian brothers who are teachers throughout the world, they had a particular love for forming boys in holiness. And this led to a plethora of vocations in the life of the church. This led to tons of young men growing up to be holy saints and holy fathers and holy husbands. And we are in desperate need of that yet again. You know, as a father, I find this interesting predicament that studies show, and this rings true in my own life, that parents spend more time with their children than ever before. And this is especially true of millennial parents. You know, many millennial parents like myself were raised in divorced homes, you know, with parents that were working a lot. And the way they expressed their love was to, you know, work jobs and earn a lot of money and buy us a lot of things, you know? So yeah, we got yeah. video games or gifts or whatever. Whereas a lot of millennial parents, and again, please, I'm overgeneralizing here, but just general trends show that Millennial parents, by and large, say, I, I want to be more present with my kids than my parents were. So a lot of fathers, especially, are kind of the cycle is swinging back around to where fathers want to be there with their kids for more time. Yet still, we feel ill-equipped to shape and form our boys to become young men. Like We know that it requires a presence of time, but in terms of the skills in terms of the processes, you know, the path of masculine initiation. I think that's still the big missing piece of the puzzle. Like past cultures, especially um, uh, Native American cultures and pagan cultures had very robust, thick processes of initiation. It was very clear when a boy became a man because he had to complete this or that series of tasks or he had to prove himself in this or that way. And we don't really have any processes like that today that you know clearly guide a young boy down the path of manhood. So I see a lot of these problems sort of cumulatively swirling together. You have you know things like the sex abuse crisis, which put a divide between a lot of older men and boys, especially priests and boys. You have a lack of fatherhood over the last 40 to 50 years with the divorce culture and fathers that have checked out. But then you have this lacuna of initiation practices to draw a young boy into the masculine way. Right. And this is also why on another topic that we talk about a lot and that's very close to my heart, video games are so popular among young men and boys. Video games have become this place where they can artificially and virtually actualize their masculinity because it's not actually being actualized in reality. So when mothers and fathers contact me on a regular basis to ask, why is my 16-year-old son playing Call of Duty for eight hours a day? Well, it's because he wants to be a soldier. He wants to be a hero. He wants to save people. He wants to protect people. And he needs someone to mentor him into that for reality. He wants to love someone. He wants to be with a woman and to protect her. He wants to sacrifice his life, but he, he doesn't know how. And it's not his fault. It's not because he's a bad kid. It's because the society around is not able to provide those resources anymore to inform and shape his masculinity, beginning with the home, but also the society as a larger whole is also unable or unwilling to do so. 
this is a void in the lacuna that the church most certainly uh, needs to desperately address, and specifically the relationship between priest and fathers, young, young fathers, needs to be deepened. That's been another great ministry that I did not expect in my parish, but it's my relationship with young dads and how we are learning to be fathers together. You know, when I go over to their home and I, I visit them and we talk together and they share their struggles and then I help them, you know, hold their, their son or hold their little baby girl and we laugh and we have dinner together with their wives, they're, they're really discerning and trying to become saints. And I am too. I'm trying to become a holy priest and I'm learning from them as I spend more and more time with them. So that relationship also needs to be strengthened. That's one of the great graces of our friendship, Brandon, is that in your vocation and my vocation, which are both complementary and marrying of one another, we're, we're able to see, we're able to see where we need to grow and also how we're called to form the children that have been entrusted to us, but specifically our sons and how they're called to holiness. Let's stick on that topic for a little bit more, this relationship between priests and biological fathers. So talk to us a little bit about um, this from two different angles. One, I know we have a lot of priests watching this. So what mm -hmm. advice would you give to priests to develop better relationships with the young dads in their parishes? But then two, I know we have a lot of young dads who yeah. watch and listen to this podcast. What would you say to them to better facilitate this relationship with priests? First, for my brother priests, and again, it's always just such a joy for me to even think that there are brother priests watching this. So it just how close all of you are to my heart, my dear brothers. And thank you for saying yes to your vocation to the priesthood and to our bride, the church. So number one thing for us is that we ourselves need to be men of masculine virtue and chastity, holiness, sacrifice, servitude. If we love the sacred liturgy and sacrifice the mass with devotion, if we hear confessions with piety, and with love and divine mercy, if we anoint the sick with strength and with un unyielding spirit of selflessness, men will be drawn to us naturally because they'll see in us virtues that they long for. They'll see, wait a minute, there is a man here who is giving his all for the church, who's giving his all for his bride. And that's the kind of man that I desire to be too. So it's not so much even initiating anything with these young fathers. It's you yourself trying to be a good father. And what I have found is that organically relationships will then start developing. So for all the dads that I have a good relationship with, they literally, 100% of them have said, we were drawn to you because of how devoted you are to your priesthood. When we saw the kind of priest you are, that made us want to have a relationship with you so that we could be that kind of man for our children. And they've all approached me and said, Father, can you just sit down with me for just 15 minutes and tell me why you love the church so much? You know, can you just come over to my house for dinner and just meet my wife and my kids? You know, I just think that, and they always mention their sons. They're like, I just think my boys would love to meet you and, and hang out. And, and it's always a blast. You know, we have a wonderful time. So that's for my brother priest. That's step one. Be masculine and holy yourselves. Be men of devotion to our vocation. And that will naturally draw and build relationships. On the side of our young fathers who are listening, again, thank you for your incredible vocation, how desperately we need you in the church today. In your own heart, start praying now for the Lord to send a good priest into your life. I know, Brandon, that you prayed for that. I know that there are many young fathers who long for that. Start praying, Lord, I desire for you to send a good priest into my life and for my family. I, I pray that you send a good priest who could be a mentor to my sons, 
and who could, who could show them the way of sacrifice and holiness and who, who could help me in my fatherhood to raise these boys into good Catholic upstanding men. And then to keep your eyes peeled, try to find holy priest and don't force a relationship onto them. But whenever you find a holy priest, go up to him and let him know that you, that you recognize that, you know, you really, you're a priest that inspires me. And I was wondering if maybe we could talk sometime and I would love to sit down and just hear about your heart and hear about your priesthood. Um, and then of course, the other thing for our young fathers is strive for holiness yourself too. strive for a way um, for your own for your own manhood and your own desire to serve Jesus Christ. We'll get to that later in the podcast when we talk about our identity as beloved sons of the Father and how important that is to fatherhood. But those are the different perspectives from the priesthood and from young fathers that I would say. But I would love to hear, Brandon, from you, sort of in your own perspective, how, how that relationship has developed. Yeah, I I'd echo a lot of the things that you just said. I think our relationship, you and mine, developed organically in just the way you described. Like I saw you, your devotion to the priesthood. I saw the way that you celebrated mass, the way that you interacted with young kids. And I invited you over to our house because I wanted you to have dinner and meet my kids and my sons especially. So it played out exactly as you described. Um, but it's been, I think, a unique dimension that like, it's one thing for me to connect with other fathers and have uh, biological fathers and have them come over and have dinner and have other biological fathers and boys to be hanging around our house. But whenever you're over, the boy, my boys see a different dimension of what it means to be a man. They see me sacrificing myself and pouring myself out for my bride, Kathleen, but they see you pouring yourself and sacrificing on behalf of the church. And that's a dimension of masculinity that without the priesthood, they wouldn't see. Um, so I think right. it's critical in the, in the development of my boys to see that full scope of masculinity and not just the romantic dimension of masculinity they see in their parents. And it also opens up for them, and this is what a lot of boys nowadays are deprived of, it opens and broadens their horizons on how their masculinity can be actualized. So. It's not just with married life and with children, although that is a beautiful way to actualize our manhood, but also priesthood, being a monk, religious life, consecrated celibacy. This is a way that my manhood could also live to its fullness. But we, how can we know that if we don't see other men living that lifestyle? Men learn how to be men with other men. Boys learn how to be men by watching other men be men. <laughs> so this is really important for us and for our children in their development. And I say our children because it's my child too. You know, as a priest, you are a father. And these boys are your responsibility. And shame on you if you're not trying to find ways, and I say this first and foremost to myself, trying to find ways to be that example for them and to encourage them also to be open to the heart of Jesus. All right, I want to spend some time looking at some of the paths to help boys grow into good Catholic men and some of the practices that you and I have sort of gleaned from our experiences and interactions. But before we get there, I think it's critical that we define what we mean by authentic mm. masculinity or authentic Catholic masculinity. This term, I think, is one of the most um, uh ambiguous terms, controversial terms. It's used in so many different ways. Equivocating is the word I'm using. It's one of the most equivocated terms. It's used in so many different ways that often conflict with each other. So for example, we hear about toxic masculinity, which is sort of an avant-garde phrase, which usually just means 
any form of masculinity I don't like, you know, because right. I've seen I've seen the phrase toxic masculinity applied to mutually contradicting things. Um, but I think most of us know what we mean when we hear that term. We mean like an exaggerated, chauvinistic, machismo, you know, toxic masculinity means the, the aggressive male that uses brute strength and physical force to dominate others, to objectify and control women and, you know, things like that. And obviously that's not the type of masculinity that we want our boys to develop into. So let's look at authentic masculinity. What, how would you describe, or can you give us an example of somebody that you think embodies authentic Catholic masculinity? I'm kind of, I'm kind of setting you up with a softball here. (laughs) Hmm, Jesus. There's a man that, (laughs) can you think like a son of man that maybe embodies authentic masculinity? Starts with a J, ends with an Jesus. <laughs> but uh, but before we get to our Lord and, and to our Savior, just to to elaborate on that point that you just made, Brandon, with this toxic masculinity and the reaction to toxic masculinity, which has been what I call effeminacy. So we have effeminacy with an E, which just means to be feminine. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Like femininity is not a bad thing, but effeminacy is this twisted, inauthentic femininity when it's applied to a man. And that's something that's very unhealthy. So we have these two extremes right now in our society. You have the male chauvinism, then you have the effeminacy, this sort of anti-femininity, which is taking place in in a lot of men. And as a response to those two uh, extremes of manhood, you also have, even within the Catholic world, now this sort of rising up robust notion of, of masculinity that also is not always authentic, right? So um, I have a lot of the young fathers in, in my parish and and so and they, they listen to various kinds of um, podcasts and things like that and they're like, you know, well to be a man is to smoke my cigar and grow a beard, you know, and like chop wood down <laughs> or something like that. It's not to say those, those things are necessarily against masculinity, but we can't narrow masculinity to those kind of activities. It's something that's essential. So with that in mind, we're going to go back to Jesus Christ. Of course, what's the most defining characteristic of a man? Sacrifice. This is what Jesus shows us from the cross. A man is someone who completely and totally is selfless. Now, that is true also of a woman. Femininity also has its own way of sacrifice and selflessness, but it's unique according to gender. It's not, neut- it's not neuter. The way that a man sacrifices, the way that a man gives himself is different and beautiful in comparison to a woman who gives herself, which is also different and beautiful and profound. What is this way that Christ has given himself for his bride, the church? First and foremost, by the giving up of his flesh. So we see selflessness, humility, which Christ describes as meekness. Meekness is not the same thing as weakness. But also within Christ, we see the virtue of courage, steadfastness, this willing to stare into the face of evil, into the den of the lion, and to say, get out of him, leave him. He looks into Satan himself and says, leave now. He claims his own fatherhood as the one who has come to establish the Holy Mother Church. So these are the different characteristics that we need to turn towards if we want to really build an authentic masculinity in Christ. We see the gentleness of Jesus when he caresses the head of Mary Magdalene after she's thrust in front of him about to be stoned to death. We see the gentleness of Jesus as he picks up and spins a child around in a circle and, and holds them as they laugh together and says, whatever you do to the least of my children, that you do unto me. 
but at the same time, we also see his devotion when he's carrying the cross with his flesh dangling from his body like tattered rags. And he goes and is naked before his bride, the church, represented in Our Lady, Mother Mary, and pours out the last drop of his blood. Before anyone else or anything else, Christ crucified is who we as men need to gaze upon to gauge our masculinity. If we don't look like that, then something's wrong. If we don't live that way, then we need to check ourselves and how we're living as men. All right. So I think that's a great call to arms for all of us Catholic men to follow the Catholic man who is Jesus Christ and embody his form of masculinity. But let's move to some practices that we can do to help our boys to encounter that form of masculinity. Um, we've got, you and I talked a little bit before this show, so we've got uh, several listed here that I want to talk through. One of the first ones is we need to early on connect our boys to the fatherhood of God and help mm-hmm. them to relate to God as father. I think this is a missing piece for a lot of young men. In fact, it's often reversed that they don't relate to God as father till much later in life, till they've already related to their biological father as father. And this is why you have you know, all of these uh, psychological and spiritual issues where men mm-hmm. find it hard to relate to God the father because they had horrible biological fathers. And so the damage has been done and it's hard for them to detach their conception of fatherhood from their bad biological father. So one thing you and I both recommend is at an early point in a boy's life, don't wait till they're a young adult or an adult, at an early point, they need to be introduced to the loving fatherhood of God and be able to see God and speak to God and listen to God as father. Uh, How do we do that with young boys? As you said, from a young age, letting them know that they have a father who loves them even more than you do. and that's the Father in heaven. I've had to share this on a regular basis with a lot of the boys and young men and teens at our parish and school who maybe struggle with different things in life and who think that they're not good enough, or maybe their fathers are not emotionally present there for them or even physically present there for them, to let them know, well, there is a father. There's a father that loves you more than I do. There's a father that loves you more than anyone does. That father will always hold you in the palm of his hand. You can always turn towards him. This is also really important, by the way, for those who are even good dads, because even a good dad will mess up sometimes. They're going to fall short. We're going to make mistakes. I am not a flawless human being. I'm a spiritual father, but even my own spiritual fatherhood as a priest will fall short. I'll succumb to my personal sinfulness every once in a while. And that's why also as a priest, it's so important for us to turn our faithful towards the eyes of Christ, towards his priesthood and towards the Father. Please don't make personality cults. We cannot build a community around ourselves. That's very, very dangerous. We need to build it around the sacramental life of the church and build it around the Father's love through his Son and the grace of the Spirit. So that way, if we were to drop dead tomorrow, the parish would still be thriving because it's rooted in the priesthood of Jesus Christ, not in the priest not just me. For the young fathers, turning these boys on a regular basis towards God the Father, letting them see you as a son, letting them see you as a beloved son of the Father. Do you really see yourself as one who's loved by the Father? Whenever you pray, do you talk to the Father or just to Christ? Especially out loud, when we teach our sons how to pray, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Father, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you for allowing our family to be safe. We thank you for mommy and for our little sister and for our big brother. And 
and, and, and Father, help us to know your Son, Jesus Christ the Lord. And Lord Jesus, pour into the depths of our hearts your Spirit. Holy Spirit, make us your instruments. Do you see how that form of prayer is creating a logic in your child's mind? So that they're going through the Trinitarian formula, so that form of prayer is catechetical. They're recognizing the Father as their first road of recourse, and that by the grace of the Father who's revealed himself in the fullness by his Son, and that through the Son's passion, death, and resurrection, they receive the grace of the Spirit, and by the grace of the Spirit is the sacramental life of the Church and their mission to the world. So it's instilling in them these values. That's the first way that I would say you're able to cultivate within the heart of your Son this deep love for the Father, and also to let them know when you leave home someday, when you go to college, or when you get married and have your own family, or when you go into seminary to become a priest, when I'm not there, your heavenly is. Turn towards him before you turn to anything else. Turn towards him before you turn towards Netflix. Turn towards him before you turn towards drinking. Turn towards him before you turn towards pornography. Turn towards him before you turn towards trying to find comfort in food or just hanging out with your friends. Turn towards the Father when your heart is longing for truth and for a, a meaning in life, and you will find it. If you as a father could teach your son that gift, you give him something that will go beyond your own life, that will go on for eternity. You're giving him the greatest gift possible and the greatest recourse of holiness. I love that. And it's, it's liberating to me as a father to, to know like my primary responsibility is to to draw the hands of my son into the hand of the father, to connect them with their heavenly father who will ultimately father them in all the good ways we're describing. Like I sort of play a participatory role or, you know, I sort of co-father along with the heavenly father. But it, like if all I do as a father is bring my sons to the throne of the heavenly father, like I'm a successful father. I've done what I'm here to do. Uh, and in some ways, it's yes. like liberating to know it's not all up to me. Like the Heavenly Father is the one who's ultimately going to father them. And that's always important for us to know as parents, and not just fathers, but mothers as well. Anytime that we think this vocation is only ours, it becomes overwhelming immediately. St. John Vianney said this. He said, if if we really knew what the priesthood was by ourselves, we would die. <laughs> and it's true. If you If you really think that your priesthood or if you really think that your fatherhood is completely and totally your own, without Christ, without the Father, then it is devastating. You're like, I can't do this. This is just too much. And you're right. <laughs> but with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, with the sacramental grace of the Church, the Eucharist, the sacrament of reconciliation, this absolutely is possible. You can become a saint, and you can make your children saints too. You know, a few years ago, maybe a little bit more than that, I read a great book. In fact, I think I've mentioned it here in a past episode called The Way of the Wild Heart. And it's by mm. an evangelical named John Eldridge. Um, he's more famous for a book called Wild at Heart, which was right. kind of, you know, the foundational book of modern evangelical masculinity movement. Um, anyway, The Way of the Wild Heart was a sequel, which was all about how fathers can parent young boys and walk them down this path of masculinity. And I still wholeheartedly recommend it to fathers. I'll link to it here below. But his overall thesis was we've lost these moments of initiation. I hinted at that earlier, that we used mm. to have all these markers of boyhood, um, and not just in Native American tribes or pagan cultures, but even in things like the Boy Scouts. Like with the Boy Scouts, mm -hmm. you had to reach certain milestones to get certain badges, but 
all of that provided boys a tangible way to measure progress. Like I'm getting closer to my goal of being a man by getting all the badges and, you know, accomplishing all the projects or whatever. And as groups like the Boy Scouts have sort of fallen out of favor in the lives of most boys, a lot of us are sort of just flailing and we have no way to measure progress and masculinity. So what Eldridge proposes and what he does with his boys is he has created this whole system of initiation where when a boy turns 13 years old, there's like a whole year's worth of tasks that he puts them through and challenges. Like one of them is, you know, uh, we're going to drop you in the woods and you got, you know, this and that tool and you, you got to survive and come back to us the next morning. You know, and this is like woods, like, you know, half a mile away. He's not like driving three hours <laughs> out saying, you know, good luck. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's that kind well, of thing that know, you're, your older brother tried this, but he didn't do too well. <laughs> Hopefully. That's why there's only three of us now. But. <laughs> Hopefully you do better. But his point is that, you know, the boy comes back and he's got this sense of accomplishment. I've survived. I have what it takes. That's the, the aching question at the heart of every boy. Do I have what it takes? And then after this year's over, after they've, you know, completed all these missions and tasks, um, they have a big ceremony at their house where they invite all of their friends, their pastor, all the boys' friends. And it's sort of a ceremony of initiation and celebration for the boy. So they they read out different speeches and prayers. They bring the boy up. He he gives them the gift of a sword, which I love. I know you would love too. And, you know, sort of, I don't know if he knights him, but there's some sort of ceremony that he's, they're passing of the sword. So it's recalling all of these, you know, medieval and pre-Christian initiation ceremonies. But the reason I'm explaining this is the whole point I'm reading this book as a Catholic. And again, not to repudiate anything in the book. I, I love all that. And we've tried to do some of that with our boys. I'm thinking the Catholic church already has all of these yes. markers of initiation that, you know, things like baptism and then confirmation and then marriage, these sacraments that are meant to be these signposts, but that we've sort of just dumped off as, you know, honorary checkpoints or graduation points that are perfunctory and you kind of move through. But talk about the need for, as we're trying to raise boys into men, what are the importance of the sacraments in this journey? Yeah. Well, before I get to that, I just had to laugh as you were talking about the Boy Scouts. So just a little bit of background on Father Blake's family of origin. My father is a Marine and you will know it <laughs> once you meet him. And I remember I asked him once to become part of the Boy Scouts. <laughs> because <laughs> they were doing cool stuff and he said well do they give you food when you're in the woods i was like yeah he's like do they give you a tent to sleep in i was like yes he said you're not joining them that's too sissy <laughs> <laughs> he said you're going to the blade to the uh excuse me the tim britain <laughs> no food no sense and uh, and of course he, he was saying that in jest you know he wasn't trying to bash the boy scouts they're an amazing amazing organization but he had to put on that marine corps front that all being said in regards to the sacraments, you're absolutely correct, Brandon. This is hallmark. These are gifts given by the church that already demarcate moments in our lives when we enter from childhood to adulthood. That specifically in the Latin rite is where the sacrament of confirmation would come into play for those who have the sacrament taking place in the teenage years. So in that time period, this young man would decide, am I living this Catholic faith on my own initiative or am I not? And that sense of ownership of the faith, I think, has been lost in the uh, in that final sacrament of initiation. Uh, but overall, these sacraments are places where we can 
form our boys and shape their masculinity around these different sacraments. And I would even say when they get to the age of reason, when they're able to really start talking and dialoguing about these things, speak about the baptism. That was the beginning of your boyhood journey to manhood. Then speak about the sacrament of reconciliation. What's the virtue that you learned there? Humility and courage. Humility and courage. Humility to know that you're broken and the courage to say it. This is the virtue that you, that you learn in your masculinity at that, at that particular sacrament. For the Eucharist, you learn selflessness, adoration, and sacrifice. You learn who your God is, you learn who your Savior is, and you learn that he's come to save you and how to mimic and live his sacrifice in the world. And for confirmation, you, you learn mission. You are one who is not created to be selfish, to be egotistical, to, to live this life on your own. You're created for a higher good, and that good is to go out and to convert this world to Christ the King, to bring them to make soldiers for Christ and for the church militant. This is really important, and boys will respond to that. I can promise you because I've seen it with my own two eyes in the boys in our school. It is unbelievable to me to see how, especially the eighth-grade boys, how they respond to this kind of theological language, to this kind of sacramental understanding of their masculinity. And they really do seek to be Catholic men. And they will say that openly. I'm trying to be a Catholic man. Um, but it's only because we've given them and we've afforded them that vocabulary and that way of thinking. Well, I think we've kind of touched on the many dimensions of this topic. We've looked a little bit at the problem of why there's such a struggle for raising masculine boys today. We've looked at uh, some of our own experiences and some of the other paths. Um, how about maybe we, we spend just a little more time on a couple other ones we've listed. Uh, we had here natural wonder, helping boys to develop wonder through the natural world. Now, I got to say, this was not a huge part of my upbringing. I was mostly an indoor, air-conditioned child. <laughs> it was not until I was like in my 20s and 30s that I even thought going on a hike was fun. And then now, you know, we live on a little farm, we in the woods and we're hiking. You and I have gone out all sorts of places, rivers, forests, you know, all, all sorts of outdoory places, all with the goal of embracing and discovering wonder. Why is this an important dimension for authentic masculinity? Yeah, this is one of the greatest gifts that my father gave me. My dad is a child before nature. He has this absolute fascination with the created world that is reminiscent of that of Adam and Eden. I, th that's really why it's so important for masculinity. When man stands before creation, he remembers that he's part of it. <laughs> And one of the reasons that technology is so dangerous is that it inherently separates you from the natural world. That our boys are being raised now spending more time looking into a camera or a screen than looking at the stars. This is very dangerous. This is not allowing our boys to recognize their own creatureliness and also their own relationship with creation. That's why it's so easy to pollute the way that we do. That's why it's so easy to not ask any questions about where does our water come from or where does our trash go or why should I worry about cleaning up my room or why should I worry about brushing my teeth? You know, It actually flows down to all those different aspects of their lives because they're not in touch with the reality of the created world around them and that they're part of it and there's a responsibility to take care of themselves and also to take care of the world around them. And also nature, as my father used to always tell me, is a beautiful teacher. I always said that Mother Nature was my first catechist. She was the first one to teach me about the glory of God. 
when a boy looks up to the sky and a bald eagle flies over his head, th- this, this challenges a spirit to soar. Or when you have your son plant a seed and every day you take him outside to water it, and through his own care and compassion for creation, at the fruit of his hand he aids the creator and blossoming a rose or allowing food and sustenance to come out by the work of his, of his own two hands and his own body and his, the sweat of his brow. This sense of wonder is absolutely innate to the human person. And if we don't allow our boys to develop it at a young age, what's going to happen is that they're going to seek artificial stimulation at the cost of actual satisfaction. And these are two very different things. Artificial stimulation is passing. It does not have any long-lasting effects. But actual satisfaction to stand before the sunrise and to see that the world is bigger and that you're small in it, this is one of the greatest gifts we could possibly receive. So I strongly encourage all of our fathers as much as possible, first of all and foremost, to start falling in love with nature yourselves. Explore the world around you. Fall in love with creation. We Catholics are worldly people in the proper sense of that word. Not in the sense of sin, but in the sense of grace. We, we are people of the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. This earth is our home. Adam ha, Adam, means, means man, means humanity, the human person. And what was the human person entrusted with in Genesis? To name creation. <laughs> and what you see here is this innate connection between Adam and between the world around us. So our boys deserve that sense of wonder, and it will unlock for them a desire to see everything around them as gift and as beauty. It also dispels, by the way, the horrific vices of sarcasm, pessimism, and of negative-mindedness. Wow, well, you can't just drop a bomb like that at the end of the at the end of your <laughs> statement. And say, say more about that. How can nature <laughs> disabuse us of sarcasm sure. and cynicism? So this is going more into the realm of spiritual direction, but the root of jadedness, cynicism, pessimism, is always a lack of gratitude and a lack of being able to see grace and beauty in the world around us. So when we are no longer able to recognize the glory of the clouds, the splendor of the oak, the symphony of the wind, when we can't see how phenomenal it is that we just opened up our eyes this morning, then the world becomes a very cold place. And I see it as an enemy. It's no longer something that I want to live in. It's a rock that I can't stand. But when you're exposed to the natural world, it reminds you of how small these problems in your lives actually are. (laughs) It reminds you of the fact that there's a world and it's good and it's beautiful and it's worth fighting for and it's worth living in. I love that dialogue between Samwise. I was just going to say, you sound like Samwise. (laughs) I believe there's something worth fighting for, Master Frodo. Such a, a masterful dialogue, which, by the way, shows J.R.R. Tolkien's own love of, of nature. Mm. Obviously, he was a man deeply in love with the world around him. We know that he loved trees, trees that he loved imagination. I am also I'm also a great lover of trees. I would go outside. My little brother actually famously said until he was nine years old that he wanted to grow up to become a tree. <laughs> well, it's it, still a possibility. He's not fully yeah, grown. I, he was very disappointed when we explained <laughs> the biology of trees. But I want to be an ant. I want to be an ant. <laughs> but, uh, but this world is worth fighting for. There's good in it. It's a beautiful place. And we can't allow that pessimism to corrupt that truth. And the only way that we're able to do that is by exposing ourselves to the, to the wonders of nature. Excellent. Well, let's wrap it up there. Um, 
I, again, I, as I say this a lot on all of our episodes, Father Blake and I would love to hear from you guys if you have follow-up questions, especially from young dads. I know a, a lot of young dads don't yet feel connected to a nearby priest, or maybe they don't have other young dads they can discuss this with. If you guys have questions, leave them in the comment boxes. Father mm -hmm. Blake and I will try to get in there and, uh, and talk with you more about this topic. Any final words, Father Blake, boys and God? Yes. So again, I just want to encourage specifically our young fathers and maybe we could call this podcast fathers, sons and God, you know, mm. or, or how to raise how to raise boys to to follow God. But to our young fathers, first and foremost, do not be discouraged. I know that especially the men in our generation, we have sort of one hand tied behind our back. We were raised in a generation that didn't always have the best role models of masculinity. We were raised in a generation that was highly dictated by pornographic and over-sexualized culture. We were raised in a generation that did not really understand how to follow Christ properly and how to live according to the precepts of the church and to tradition. And that's not our fault, but it is our task. It's our task to rise up and to challenge these infrastructures and to seek to redeem them by our own Catholic virtue and masculinity. So do not be discouraged, but be encouraged that the Lord has chosen you at this point in history to be a man to reestablish the virtues of masculinity and Catholicism within your son's generation of men. And we thank God for that great grace and know that as a priest, I'm with you. You're not alone in this endeavor. I too am seeking every day to grow in the virtues of my own Catholic masculinity. And I seek constantly through the sacraments of the, of the holy sacrifice of the Mass, as well as the reconciliation, to form boys, young men, and fathers after the sacred and living heart of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, Father Blake's with you as a priest. I'm with you as a fellow father. And we're all with you in this community of listeners and in the communion of saints in the church. So stay at it. Don't give up. Take hope. Um, it is possible to raise good and holy boys in this world. Lots of men are doing it. Lots of men have done it. Um, so let's do it together. Well, thanks for listening to this latest episode of the Burrowshire Podcast. And we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. God bless.